Welcome to episode 263 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. If you've been listening for a while, you've heard me rave about the work of Eldritch Theatre. I have loved the work that Eric Wolf and his band of merry monsters creates. This year, with theatres closed, they've been cooking up something special for you. An online interactive theatrical experience called the Deadly Dungeons of Duodenum. I asked Michael Ripley, the host for the night, to come and talk about it. So, Michael, uh, thank you uh, so much for for coming in. Uh, Can you tell me about the Dungeons of Duodenum? Sure. Uh, It is a show. But there are two there are two ways to enjoy it. You can you can just watch because like I said, yeah, it's just a show. There's actors, there's design and video. And of course, there's, there's a story and you can watch it in your home. You can pour yourself a beverage, eat Doritos from the bag. You can unwrap those candies that would never be allowed to be unwrapped in the theater. You're the boss and you can watch it in your PJs if you want, or you can participate. And um, anyone who wants can buy a ticket and you create a character. We've made that process super easy and you join in the action. You get to roll dice. You get to play and joke with the actors and myself and literally determine the fate of the universe. Essentially, this is a, a, a fusion of theater and Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, like, like the evening uses dice and the core sort of rules of Dungeons and Dragons to add a little bit of danger and to help move the story along. But it's still a show. There are actors and costumes and props. But most importantly, there's Eric Wolf's stories. There's horror, of course. There's skillful puppetry. There's clever design. Lovecraftian shenanigans. I'd say that's a thing. And there's dark body comedy. That's always there to save you from despair or at least offer you a hand and merrily skip through it with you. I find Eric Wolf's writing pretty cathartic that way. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm for everyone. I'm looking forward to it. The Deadly Dungeons of Duodenum runs online from November 25th to December 5th. You can learn more and buy tickets at eldritchtheater.ca slash dungeons. And use the promo code STAGEWORTHY when you check out for $5 off adventurer tickets. If you want to support Stageworthy, consider dropping some change in the virtual tip jar. You can find a link to that in the show notes. Your support helps me continue to bring you great conversations in Canadian theatre. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the archive of all 263 episodes at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guest this week is creator, performer, advocate, and Herald Award recipient, Bats Racinos. If you could, how do you describe your artistic practice? If someone was to say, what do you do? How would you describe it? Your, what you do to them? <laughs> uh, yeah, the first thing, are you a movie buff? Am I a movie buff? Yeah, uh, somewhat, yeah. yeah. Have you seen the movie Michael Clayton? 
Oh no, I have not. Ooh, George Clooney, wicked movie. Uh, I would, I, I go with that. Um, with that as my answer, he's like uh, in that movie. No one really knows if he's a lawyer or a cop, uh, but he's able to blend both of those lines and uh, and sort of get the job done with whatever's required. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so I'm a creator. Uh, I've okay. been ever since I was. Uh, out of the womb, pretty much, I've been performing. I started off singing, and then uh, I've been acting all my life. When I was my first paid job was as an actor, so mm. uh, I yeah, it's it's in my blood. I don't know anything else. Um, it's actually what my name in Maya means as well. Bats means monkey as well as artist. So mm. so it's uh, yeah, my entire being is as a creator. Um, however, my training at Humber really emphasize the business aspect of it. And hmm. uh, really, we can't, like, I'm five foot nothing, you know what I mean? I'm uh, up until now, even now, things are changing. But it was always the realities of our industry and uh, the performing arts hmm. was that I, I would have to really create my own work, right? There, There hmm. is no, op- you know, so uh, as an administrator, as a producer, as a uh, sort of a, a door for others, that's, that's, I walk both of those lines um, equally and I get a pleasure out of them equally. Uh, and they're constant. I wear many different hats. I, I'm constantly creating uh, in mm. whatever aspect that is. So, yeah. So you were, you were one of those kids that was essentially a, a born performer. You, there's no origin story where one day you saw a play or you heard something and you were like, I'm going to do that. You just essentially were a performer from birth. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, there are three things that I wanted to, to be <laughs> uh, when I was growing up. Uh, they're a cop, uh, an exorcist, and an actor. And, okay, uh, we have to, cop is, is quite a common one for young children. <laughs> I'm curious. I have to ask about the exorcist. That's not a common right, uh, right. <laughs> career choice for kids. Yeah, uh, so... <laughs> um, I, I told you about my name. So I was, uh, I'm first generation Canadian. I'm actually in the falls right now, uh, as I'm speaking to you, getting, uh, my family lives here. They first, when they emigrated, uh, from the United States and before mm. that from, uh, Central America, um, I was too much shy of being born in Inglewood, California, which was one of the worst ghettos in, uh, the United States, uh, during that time. And, mm. uh, it was a church actually out of New, uh, <clears throat> Buffalo, New York. Uh, and a priest and a nun. Uh, the priest, uh, Father Joe, I was named after. I was named after the basilica that uh, my family was housed in, and then that helped. Uh, they helped uh, Saint Adalbert helped get uh, my family into Chippewa, into Canada, and I was born two months after. So out of honor of that, uh, I was named after. He ended up being my godfather. He passed away when mm. I was young, uh, but I was named after Father Joseph and Saint Adalbert. Uh, and then mm. my godmother is still uh, Sister Janice, who runs. Uh, who runs the convent now. Hmm. Um, so I've always had uh, a very uh, spiritual upbringing. Uh, although that the, when I grew up, it was through the Roman Catholic dogma, right? Um, and then, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, man. I was like a weird-ass kid. I was, I was like, <laughs> I, like, I, was, I, I think back at this right now. I go, I'm, I was a strange, I was a weird kid and I'm a strange man. Uh, and I'm cool with that. Uh, just tried not to be super strange, uh-huh. um, but uh, yeah, spirit always was was pretty big. And uh, mm. for some reason, if I can use the word occult without being too boogie boogie, but really 
the phenomenal, the what is mm-hmm. unexplained, the left-handed side of things, right? The shadow mm-hmm. side uh, is what always interests me. Um, mm-hmm. And all three of those things, though, I feel like I've been able to accomplish because, again, something that I, uh, a pedagogy that I uh, really adopted, uh, that, again, Humber, I have to give credit to Humber for that, uh, is that uh, artists are civil servants. And mm-hmm. so... Um, in all three of those aspects, either being a spiritual guide, like an exorcist or, or that sort of, you know, uh, a, uh, an actual civil servant, like a police officer, I, I believe me, my calling as an artist uh, serves mm. all three of those functions. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm the, the idea of, of the occult, and I know what you mean, because some people, when they think of the occult, they're like, ah, oh, Satan and devil worship, but it <laughs> encompasses so much more than that. Um, I've, for a long time, just sort of like appreciated the idea of magic in the world. Um, I think in some ways when we perform, we are creating magic, like we are making magic happen. Um, because how else can you explain how an audience of people can all breathe at the same time? Um, <laughs> And nice. that means that I, I I sort of have a fascination and an appreciation for cultures that still talk about their old gods or their the 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 hidden folk and things like that, which is you know I, I really appreciate a place like Iceland where people mm-hmm. are still believing in elves and that's like <laughs> a real thing for them and, and 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 places like that. I love the idea of of that kind of magic just behind the curtain that that we in our modern eyes don't see anymore um yeah. but it's there if we would just look oh 100 percent. Uh, may i ask what your ancestry is oh sure i am i am i mean uh, there's there's some celtic i'm S- scottish english polish jewish is the heinz cool. 57 of my background <laughs> um awesome well no no well there's a a big uh storytelling traditional storytelling with all those cultures as well right Mm -hmm. um and another question if i may uh when you say magic is that magic with a c or with a k at the end of it um i uh, see this is the thing is is to me um there hasn't been a whole lot of difference because i think in terms of uh, in some ways, the the illusionist is also doing magic with a K, but just in a in a different way. Like they are m- creating wonder, and I think it's wonder that is the the more important one for me. And I know there's that subtle difference between magic and magic with a K. I in my mind, I don't have a, a, a wraparound on the difference between the two. So um, yeah, it's it's that's a difficult question for me to answer. All right, cool, cool. Well. Uh, well, thank you. The the wonder though that that speaks to me. I can understand that completely. It resonates a lot. I mean, as practitioners, uh, specifically within theater, we look at a space, yeah, and how we can fill it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the type of work. Going back to one of the questions you asked earlier, but like how I create. Um, I suppose uh, when we're looking at a space. Uh, and we're, we're going to fill it. The only difference that I do uh, in my practice is that um, I'm paying attention to the, the energies of the room that we are not, that we can sense, that we can feel, mm. um, but not necessarily name or, or uh, yeah, it, it'd be like the Bluetooth of the energies. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when you say wonder, I go, yeah, because we're all playing, we're, we all invite imagination and wonder in that childlike aspect to our participants or our audiences. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think that's beautiful, but as an, as a creator where I want to 
grab my fruits from that I'm offering the the audience or, you know, uh, comes from a, a much more uh, rooted, deep down, deeper place than, than mm. say, just your average uh, Western practitioner of theater, the way we're trained, at least that way, right? It's changing now, uh, but yeah. uh, but I, I would say the, the traditional forms, right? So, yeah, I resonate a lot with that wonder. That's really cool. That, uh, yeah, right there. Well, I think I, I'm, when I think about my my fa- some of my favorite theater experiences, there has been so much wonder involved in that. Like just some moment where I gasped at something, whether it was an image on the stage or a turn of phrase or why am I crying, anything like that. That's those are the moments that were like just so magical for me. Mm. Yeah. I, I think right now more than ever, uh, Tappa a few years ago did a, um, a study, a poll of like why audiences were declining. And um, w- w- a big thing for me was, uh, was obviously there wasn't enough representation of the communities uh, of themselves going out there. So like why bother going out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but as that has started to shift a little bit more and there have been more uh, voices coming out from the margins, this is an example, right? <laughs> Even just uh, having a conversation with you about this uh, is, is an example of this. But uh, I, I think of that and I go, you know what, like that we're also seeking something, uh, something else mm-hmm. uh, from our theater, from our art, artistic practices. You know, there's, there's, especially now during this, this time of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as all the social unrest, for me, this self-isolation was actually self-actualization, right? Mm -hmm. For so many people. Um, And, and, and I think it's a beautiful breath of fresh air, although it's very uncomfortable uh, for a lot of folks. um, It's providing the internal sort of uh, um, space to allow other things in and i mean of all aspects the one thing Mm. i love about art is it's like ceremony it allows it allows us to sit in our contradiction it allows us to sit in tension and be okay with it and and allows us to to agree to disagree you know yeah no absolutely there have been some moments when i've gone when i've been in a theater and like some voice in the back of my head is like i'm in church right now and not because (laughs) there was anything actually religious happening but the ceremony like because you know a lot of Western theater is rooted in its in in church. That's yeah. one of the ways that that the Europeans create like started doing theater was based in in church. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, there are times when I've just been like, ah, oh, the minister is on stage, and I'm 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 taking it all in. <laughs> yeah, and like nothing, not to like dog anything, but like that was me going when I was. Uh, I'm dating myself now, but I was in theater school. I graduated in 2011, so when we were like had to go out to watch shows. We went to Soul Pepper at that time. And that's, when mm-hmm. you say that, that's when like, I remember going in for some matinee performances too, going, I feel like I'm in fucking church right now. Like, geez. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, you were talking about the the the, the really rooted uh, way that you 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 perceive and the way that you think about about creating the art. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Where, where, that, where it's rooted, where it comes from? Uh... Oh yeah. So I'm a I'm a creature of, of impulse, of instinct. I've always have been. Of uh, yeah, it gets me into it, well, it gets me to where I am. Um, when uh, I suppose I've always I've always followed my gut. I, I, I mentioned before, like uh, one of my first jobs was as an actor. Like the very first job I had as an actor. Um, 
I remember uh, before I even, you know, I, <laughs> quick story. Like I, I, I was a photographer for this one t- for like a few months and I was like, I'm not happy with this. I quit. And uh, there was a call. I was living in Niagara Falls and there was this company, excuse me, um, uh, that uh, asked for like some monologues or whatever. And I was just, I don't know what came over me. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to write my own monologue. I had never done that really before. Well, in high school, I wrote a play, but like, I, uh, but like, I was like, I don't know, as a professional, like that way, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm just going to do it. And I ended up getting hired on the spot and it really changed my life because I traveled uh, as an actor professionally across Ontario for over six months. Um, mm. And then that's how I got into to Humber and learned a lot more. But it was that impetus, I suppose, of creating my own work, like speaking from my own voice. Um, mm. And how I create now, and uh, it was really, again, uh, I, have to, I have to give credit to Humber, uh, the way that they, they trained me and really supported my voice uh, in my own development. Um, is through uh, it's called Kikakula now, uh, which means blood lightning in 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 Kiche, uh, which is a, a a language of Maya. Um, and essentially, what blood lightning is is uh, you know that rush of uh, when your hair stands on end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that blood lightning, that surge, is is what I like to work from. Uh, mm-hmm. It is it is a it is a signifier to me that uh, that uh, you know, we're headed in the right place creatively. So uh, as an artist, the way I create everything, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm multidisciplinary. I don't only uh, work within theater, although that is my main love, my, like my passion, the soul. Uh, but aside from performing, I also do, uh, I make arts and crafts. I, I, uh, I, I music, like uh, I write a lot, like just different artistic forms come out, right? Um, but everything is rooted for me in ceremony. And when I use that ceremony, it's really just giving an appreciation to something else, uh, something greater beyond us, whether it be our ancestors, the sun, God, goddess, whatever resonates for you. I acknowledge a higher power that this is a, a, a gift I've been given. Um, and it's my responsibility to, uh, to share my voice, uh, mm. especially especially since I believe uh, artists to be civil servants, uh, that my voice is tied to my community, right? Mm. Uh, and that if I'm going to speak from my uh, about my community and tell stories from my community for my community, that they should be truthful. Uh, so I, I think about acting, uh, uh, community, and truth, uh, mm. which is a three pillars of my company, uh, Creative Mafia, right? So we act. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, the. I suppose, uh, uh, I believe a lot in ancestry. Um, the day of the dead is coming in. So I would, I would guide you towards Coco. If you want to know a little bit more of like how uh, sort of like what we think about or what I would think about that, it would be like, it's an amazing movie. It's, it's, it's it's quite, it's quite stunning. Yeah. It's so, it's so amazing. Like I love it. Um, but in that aspect, it's like, you know, ancestry as well. Like how can I acknowledge my present without acknowledging those who have walked before me and set the path before me. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, there are different medicines when I when I say that. Uh, different, um, I suppose, a, a word would be incense that people would use. Uh, uh, that I burn candles, that type of stuff as well, before any rehearsal or before any creation process. Um, and then I, I go off the gut. Whatever I, I try, I I believe tension is great, but I try to go with the flow. I try to I try to feel the thermals in all of life. So if there's if if something's not working. Uh, and there's like a lot of force. I go, I, I take a step back and I go, okay, I'm forcing something right now. 
uh, I'm not going with the flow. It, it's I'd rather ride the ride the thermals the easiest way, mm. right? If there's turbulence, great. But as long as I'm getting to getting to where uh, the objective is, it's always the destination. It's never the or, sorry. It's always the journey, never the destination. So uh, I, I just kind of know where I'm going to be. I know something needs to be produced, <laughs> right? <laughs> there's that timeline. Uh, how I get there is I'm going to go with the flow, the, the sort of, not the easiest path, but the, but the, the path of least resistance. Hmm. Um, and I, and I do that through ceremony. Yeah. The, the journey, I mean, a lot of times I think we do get too focused on the end result. And so we block ourselves, like you're saying by, this isn't working. So how do we do it? We start like forcing it, forcing it and working harder instead of trying to find the path that gets us there. Um, I think we get too we get too tied to timelines. We we think, <laughs> oh my god, there's so little time. We have to make this work, and and uh, there's not a whole lot of. I mean, you could say that that you know necessity is some other invention, but also sometimes like stopping and being still can tell you a lot as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's where we're living right now, actually. Mm, um, yeah. I, I think, uh, and this is not to discredit any creator, any organization or artist who's putting out their work right now uh, without like a, the, each his own, right? I, I think right now what we need are more artistic voices just regardless. Uh, but um, I think a lot of organizations specifically within our theater ecology in Canada are reacting rather than responding. Mm. Uh, which is okay, I guess, uh, for the for the voices that they're supporting. Uh, but I, I, at least the, the the art that I support and the organizations that I support and that uh, I feel are my community members, you know, uh, have actually taken this time to really sit down and listen, which has mm. been so beautiful. Um, and I'm gonna give a shout out to Aluna straight up uh, because mm. Aluna Theater is they really I. It, personally went above and beyond uh, to reach out to community and see what, what was needed. Um, mm. But, and I think on an individual basis, that, that is what's, that's, what's up. Like uh, exactly what you said uh, in theater school, it was, you know, don't be afraid of silence. You know, you don't have to always fill, fill the room with your voice. Uh, you can just sit there and look at the audience, which is super vulnerable, super scary. But actually though, that for me is where the magic happens. Right. That's I spent so long, like I, I, they, we said that in theater school, and then somehow you graduate from theater school, and suddenly you forget that. I found it's only in recent years that I've been like, "Ooh, a long silence." I love it. <laughs> like I would fight against it, and then I was, I was like, "Wait a second, there's so much." Like you can be silent at an audience; it doesn't get bored. They lean forward, and it was the 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 fact that if you were quiet, that you'd lose them was this fear. But no, if there's something happening in the silence, they would just get so drawn in. So, if all the world's a stage, mm -hmm. right, right now, with especially with all the politics that are happening down south, here, everywhere, like I, I wake up every morning thinking I'm in a comic book. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, so if all the world's a stage with what you just said, um, and we're living in this time where we're headed into the second wave specifically here in Toronto as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, but like, yeah, I just got a contract canceled two days ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I was like, shit, but you think of that moment of silence that we're all going to collectively take again. Right. I, I I'm, I'm filled with wonder. I'm, I'm scared shitless too, mm -hmm. but there's something inside of me going, we need this. Like our, 
there's no going back to normal. There is no, we're, we're creating a new page. There's so much hope I feel within this time. Uh, and I'm just super excited to see how we come out of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's so many conversations that, that, that could not have happened. Like the entire, uh, conversation about about uh, uh black indigenous people of color in in the theater and and the underuse and the the marginalization and all that stuff all of these things these these conversations that that have been happening could not have happened on the treadmill of production Ooh. because I, I, nobody I, yeah. nobody would be we would, there'd be no time to to sit in it and have the conversation it would just be like we have to produce the next thing we're just working on the producing the next thing and now that people couldn't now is the time to have those conversations and to say the uncomfortable truths that that the predominantly white establishment in theater did not want to hear. And now they've had to hear it. People are watching and they have to contend with it and, and address it. The, I, I love how you added the treadmill of production because <laughs> if I made this slight, well, it's, it's super important for me because these conversations have been going on for before our time in the theater industry, mm-hmm. right? Our betters who laid down the groundwork of our of our performance, uh, specifically within Toronto as well, you know, uh, have been putting have have been doing the work for so long. Uh, I actually think, and a, a large part of my resentment and, and frustration that I carried before, honestly, twenty twenty really hit. Because when twenty twenty hit, I was on the up and up. Like things were. I'm still mm. actually in a, a blessed place. I have to say, I I, I feel very blessed uh right Mm. now um and i know not everyone is in the same boat but uh but 2020 has actually been pretty damn good for me it's been not without its ups and downs for sure but uh but pretty uh, overall pretty pretty well in 2021 i feel is going to be better but um off of what you said these conversations have been going on for a long time i feel now though uh is is the world is ready to actually listen and uh, a large part of the the Caucasian or, or Western world uh, who hold the power are actually confronted. A mirror has been put up to them where mm. oh, they can't duck at truth anymore. Well, they can, but only a fool does. <laughs> and we're we're quite literally seeing these lines uh, being formed in front of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's so many like I, I've I've sat in I've gone to so many panel discussions about diversity in the theater and why isn't there more diversity in the theater and it's always the the same people on those stages for the most part <laughs> yeah. um, and having the same conversation over and over um, so it's you're right it's not a new conversation uh, uh, the 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 theater establishment has previously just been able to be I could do it if there was just time to do it it's just too bad that we're that there's just no time and now it's like well <laughs> it's time <laughs> yeah that's why there's no going back yeah well I mean I think there's you know every theater put out a statement at the beginning of of you know April June you know in around there there were all their Black Lives Matter statements. And so we know that they've made their statement and I, I'm always wondering like how many are going to try to pretend that didn't happen (laughs) when they get back to production and how many of them are going to be surprised by the number of people who remember that they put out a statement and who are paying attention and won't let them get away with it. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, uh, (laughs) I laugh at that. Yeah. Well, I I have a lot of, (laughs) Um, 
there was a the winds of change. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 uh, I sort of touched upon this a few years ago. Uh, have you, uh, I was in a forest fire once. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a brush fire in Central America. And it's super, I don't know if you've ever been in, into like a forest fire, but the winds, honestly, you, you can walk two, 10 seconds and then a gust of wind will hit and you're like surrounded by fire. And underneath mm-hmm. you, the ground is literally like dissolving, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Um, and so you have to make decisions pretty quickly, but also look in advance and try to gate again, ride the thermals uh, of, of, of the winds of trying to, to navigate yourself out of this into safety. I honestly mm-hmm. feel like our political situation is like that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, specifically, like not only like uh, within our theater industry, um, but just globally as well, like societally. And right now, what this is ha- what's happening with what you had mentioned before is like, yo, there's when a person of color walks into a room, I, like there's a head nod that I do, right? It's like mm. I see you, I clock you, right? And it's something mm-hmm. that's like it's like a little smile, a little smirk. It's like when a, a wicked hip hop beat comes in, and like you know the hip hop heads are moving. It's something that's understood culturally that uh, that it doesn't need to be said. And those companies who were very, that re- were reacting from a place of fear rather than responding mm-hmm. from a place of love yeah. uh, are the ones like, good. I'd rather, I'd rather know who is not real and who is mm-hmm. real than the ones, uh, and this is most of the racism I've encountered in, in Canada, uh, the ones that come with a smile that you actually don't know, that gaslight the fuck out of you and you're just like, uh, right, am right. I crazy or, you know? Yeah. That that is actually the most dangerous, and I, that's where I think we've been living uh, in North America for a long time. Complacency, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I come from a, a family of revolutionaries that were like they didn't really fit in. My parents didn't really fit in in Central America, you know, and what the matter. One of the reasons why they left. Uh, so, I, I one thing, I, one of the kickbacks I get actually is like, "Yo, you have, we have it so good in Canada. Why why are you so?" like impassioned or like why do you fight for these rights and i'm like i think of that i'm like complacency Mm. yes we have it a lot better than my family in central america and and how you grew up but um canada still laps behind our politics that we still do like that we could be world leaders truly if we stood apart and if and if our government really did listen to our people truly uh Mm. we would already set the state like we were already there we like it's really frustrating. It's like Canada can be like so incredible as a world leader. And then we take two steps back. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, fuck, <laughs> yep. you know, but I feel like this time can be different. Yeah. The, the statement of like, Oh, you have it so good in Canada. That is such a white person thing to say. Um, like somebody who says that is, you know, yes, things are, can be good in Canada, but there are like, I know people who are like, they, they feel like they can't celebrate Canada day because of all of the things that the Canada is not good about, like all of these things. But I always look at like, that is, that day is a challenge hmm. to what we could be like, <laughs> it's not about like, Oh, we're the greatest in the world. It's like, yes, we have some good stuff. We have some bad stuff. What do we do about the bad to make us wonderful like what like what are the steps that we have to take to be that thing that that whatever that is how do we be better Mm. yeah uh i i think i think we're already sort of there like collectively we do have a mindset uh that is more socialist (laughs) Mm. right Uh, and when i say when i mean that too like 
I really do mean like uh, we think of the people first. We empathize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I like to think of our artists actually as as uh, empaths. Mm-hmm. A, a, a large majority of us, we have these extra little antennae, you know, that just pick up certain things. And that's why I feel a lot of artists, specifically uh, before the pandemic hit, even now, but before the pandemic hit, a lot of uh, artists in my circles, which is like ninety percent of my life, uh, were suffering from anxiety, depression, and all these different things, right? Uh, and for me, it was an accumulation of, if I can use energies or the uh, aura or that type of uh, terminology, uh, it's like w- our vessels are, are a vase, yeah? And yeah. Um, when we're in creation or, or it, there's a there was a sort of jargon that we used in theater school where it's like you're riding the horse, you know? When you're on stage, you're like on it. And so like if our vessel... Uh, is this is this tube, and that energy that uh, that we call upon to create uh, that comes from both above and below fills mm. us with this like say electricity, the shock. You know, uh, we're if we don't have the right type of uh, uh, outlets, uh, it can become stifled. Think of like a, an organ. And, and mm. the steam that goes through that. If you don't yeah. clean it properly, it's going to get full of muck and all of this stuff. Yeah. I think of I think of a lot of uh, artists who suffer from depression, anxiety, uh, and that type of stuff. Uh, that's what's happening. You know, we, uh, societally, like through history, uh, we got rid of our our our, our myth makers, our healers, our our artists mm. were the myth makers, were the healers, right? So we got rid of those traditional teachings of oh. The, the the rites of passages the the rituals you know the societal things of oh you're be, you're you're entering adulthood mm-hmm. this comes with a different type of responsibility this is what it's going to look like this is how it's going to resonate in your body you know mm-hmm. um, and so that's where I feel uh, we've been at for a long time and again this pandemic this breath of fresh air this collective consciousness really uh, we attack Mother Earth mm-hmm. through her lungs. She's going to be yeah. attacking her mirror, mirror, right? We are mm-hmm. made in the image of our creator, which is our mother mm-hmm. overall, Mother Earth. So I, I look at that and I go, yeah, you know, like we, I feel, it, Louis Riel said it, uh, my people have been asleep for 100 years, but when they awake, it'll be the artists who give them their spirit back. Mm-hmm. I We are living that 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it the 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 idea like the that so many perf- so many artists were were have feeling anxiety and and depression and that sort of thing. I think that kind of goes back to that 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 treadmill of production, mm. because I know so many people who like their their hustle was constant. Like they were always they did this gig this gig this gig they were sent went to this audition they went to this networking thing they were like go 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 all the time 7 days a week 365 days a year and how can like in a day job we would never accept that we would never accept the like taking the rest you know and now it's for many people it's a forced rest well, so there's no I, one to hustle to Yo, hundred percent. Yo, I love the fact that you're uh, that you use the word hustle too, right? Like, uh, I, I always call myself a creative hustler or like an artistic hustler. Always got things on the go, uh, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what we need to do, though, right? We're not we do we do have it pretty. <laughs> we have it better off than most other artists throughout the world as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but it is a struggle to be a, a full one hundred percent artist. You do definitely need to to be a hustler, um, and I, yeah, I. 
I feel you 100% on what, uh, on what you're saying with that. Uh, self-care, the, the first idea of self-care for me came when I was working for Avenue, uh, mm. which was uh, uh, sort of a an organization that uh, oversaw seven other organizations. Uh, Sketch was one of them, Manifesto Festival was one of them. Uh, and uh, under that umbrella of Avenue, uh, we would go out to... Uh, to in uh, rural communities as well as indigenous communities and uh, provide like workshops, right? And uh, out of that uh, is when I first started hearing about self-care through the social justice movements of like, you know what, you need to take care of yourself in this way and this aspect. And I really mm. adopted that into my artistic practice mm. because I, I uh, again, I, I like to think of any anything that I create uh, is, um, is an offering. So I think of, uh, and in my culture, uh, our left and right hands. Uh, I had mentioned before that it's a response, like uh, to be an artist is to be uh, given a gift by your ancestors. Mm. So it's your responsibility to sing and dance for them, mm. right? So, so to tell their stories. So uh, our, our, our hands is how we create, right? Uh, so we till the soil, we garden. And I, I like to think of the artistic fruits. I like to think of, uh, of myself as, as, as kind of like a garden. Um, I went back to Central America. I found what type of seed I was on a mix mm. and how far down my roots came. Uh, through that, I, be, I, I began to understand what type of tree, what type of vegetation I was so that I could understand what type of uh, artistic fruits I could actually offer. Uh, I found out that I'm a tree, that I not mm. only uh, am I able to stand tall, right, and strong enough to provide, sh- uh, to, to, to bend with the wind. That's why it's really important that I feel uh, we, as artists, uh, if we are able to uh, explore our ancestry, explore where we came from, uh, so mm. that we know our like we know where our foundation is, our roots are really deep down, you know, the sense mm. of yourself. Uh, so that when the winds of change do come or any turbulence does come, you know what type of vegetation again, how far roots, how far you can bend with it. If you can or you can't. If you'll snap. Mm. If you need more support, you know what you need. Um, and then also, if you're able to provide shade, right? Like, mm. they, like trees, some trees can, and some some other plants don't, like ferns or mm. whatever, right? Uh, so I think I think of a garden and all of that aspect, and we're and we're just giving it out, um, mm. and it's really important to self reflect to know what we're what we're giving out, to know what type of soil. Like when I go back to Central America or when I do travel, I, I like to think of those cultural experiences as different soil that I'm putting in to the, to my garden that feed my artistry, that feed, that will enrich the fruits that I'm giving my community, right? And as a producer, as, as, a, as a cultural producer, not only am I taking care of my jardin, my, my garden, but I'm actually trying to create a garden that other gardeners can come in and plant their own vegetation, you know, and create their, so that it's an actual market, <laughs> that, it's, that there's more than one fruit, there's more than one, it, it, yeah, that's, that, that's where, my being that's where all of that sort of resides and lives mm. yeah there's you know when we look at at sort of the the way that uh, a lot of theaters have been have been producing um i think it sort of to me it goes back to that you know you mentioned the 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 survey about where the audience is going um and i to me it comes back to the to wonder or the lack thereof like the last time that somebody went to the theater, did they feel wonder? Was there something that 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 they were given in that space that made them say, I need to come back to this? Or did they see something that was, I hate to say it, not as good? 
um, that didn't speak to them. And there's so many reasons why something might not speak to them. Maybe um, culturally, maybe uh, uh, maybe just just going over people's heads. There's so many so many things. But I always feel like like the audiences would come if we gave them something to come to. <laughs> That's sort of I. I mean, I think there are some people who are who would get pissed off at me saying that. But I think that like. Look, we have in Toronto people will go and pay money to get their picture taken in front on a on a on a fake plane so they can post it to the Instagram, but they've they've had the experience. There's all these experiential things and people will pay money to do those things. I think if we give people experiences, they will come. If we give them if we if they if we expect them to just sort of sit nicely and clap politely at the end. If we're not feeding them, why are they coming? Yeah, so I'm not one of the people I laugh. I, I'm not one of the people who would fight you on that. Uh, at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually just, I laugh my ass off. So I, uh, before, um, you know, I trained, I trained emerging artists for, I think about five years for different uh, companies. Um, Cahoots was one of them. Uh, Summerworks was one of them as well. Uh, and so, one of the things there uh, that we that I learned, but also passed on, was like was a big thing. Was like don't start, don't start another theater company. Uh, don't just put your work out there for no reason. Um, and as much as I agree with that statement, I kind of disagree. Uh, I believe, and this is where people will probably get pissed at me. Uh, I believe mm. there are certain stories that need to be told. Um, I remember uh, there was a, a co- one of those panel discussions that you were talking about, <laughs> where it's just like, oh God, we're having another one of these. Uh, and <laughs> all of it, it was at TPM, and it was, uh, I think, probably around like 2016. Uh, and uh, I kid you not, all the colored folk were up up top uh, on the second balcony of the main stage mm. at TPM. And, uh, and I know that because there was only like five of us. <laughs> and, uh, and so we were up there and I remember, uh, one of my colleagues, uh, we were having sort of a, like a similar discussion about this is like, yo, there's a lot of content being brought out there without, in my opinion now, uh, without any real, um, reasoning as to why, mm. you know, uh, it's not, for me, it's not rooted into a truth that comes from community or that will mm. serve a community. It's more ego filled it's more oh i need to stay relevant or or whatever the case may be yeah so um i remember though uh my colleague she kind of with tears in her eyes afterwards was like can i take space because everyone else who's been talking uh has been speaking for us and all of the colored people are up are up top and, mm-hmm. and everyone kind of just looked and it was like oh shit yeah that's real and she was just like i'm i'm waiting I- i've been developing in my room in my closet, singing to nobody, scared, you know, of my own voice because uh, I'm a queer artist. I'm this. I'm that. I'm uh, I'm marginalized, you know. And so I I agree a hundred percent with most of uh, the main works that were being presented before COVID hit. <laughs> uh, right? Uh, there's a lot of theater out there that I I wouldn't go to uh, because mm. uh, I just didn't resonate with where the stories were coming from or how they, or at least how they, um, to what, for me, a big part of, <laughs> yeah, again, people are going to hate this. 70% of the shows that I go watch, I fall asleep in. 
it's straight up, right? Like I, and I'm unabashed about that because as you know, it is a job. It is mm. a job for us to go. Like there, it is a job. So if you're not doing your job, well, I'm going to take a, a couple of minutes to sleep, if not to sleep the entire goddamn thing, because <laughs> you're not doing your job, right? So there's something there. There's something that has been missing for a long time, I feel. And uh, aside from actual marginalized voices that actually encompass what Toronto and Toronto is, it's diverse, mm-hmm. it's culturally abundant. Um, on, our, on our stages, our art in general doesn't reflect that. Um, but it's starting to change. Uh, aside from that, the, the the voices that were given space, uh, and I don't want to generalize, but uh, again, the 70% of shows that I attended during those times uh, were off and on. But uh, for me, what was lacking was a sense of, uh, of urgency of mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. these stories were being told and for what yeah. purpose, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. I've been talking a lot, like whenever I've been developing something, I have a very helpful friend who's, uh, who's always like, why, why is this need to be said? Why is this happening? What's the urgency of this particular thing? Why, when this person comes into the room, do they have to say that? And it's such an important thing to, to think about, because I think you're right. There's so many things that I've seen where it feels like we're just sort of the creators are sort of like a little too relaxed about it. Like what's, why is this, why do we need this now? What is this saying now? It's a missing urgency. And that's so, so much. I think what, what might be, might have been missing from a lot of the theater that I've seen. Yeah. And and a lot of, I believe a lot in the youth. Right. I believe in a lot of in the future generations that are that are to come. It's a lot of what drives me just as a person. Um, one to acknowledge again, uh, acknowledge my ancestors, acknowledge the ones who have come before me, live mm-hmm. in the present, but then always try to act for the future. I want my I want my children, my grandchildren, and my the seven generations that are going to be coming uh, and inheriting this earth. Uh, you know, I, I want them to have better. I want them to to be better. Um, mm-hmm. So. I always sort of think I, I try to, I try to think and act in that way. And uh, artistically, I, I really do feel like my calling to be an artist and to share stories uh, is because we're, we've come to a pivotal, pivotal point uh, mm-hmm. in our, in our evolution as human beings. I feel, uh, have you read any Joseph Campbell at all? Uh, yeah, I have. I have. So uh, the hero uh, with I, a thousand faces was the first was, was, is the one that's on my shelf right now. Oh, word. Uh, the power of myth is the one that's uh, that I, I always go back to the most. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I really do enjoy that. Uh, and, and for me, it's because uh, there's something in myth making. There's something in storytelling uh, that artists understand. Um, mm. And for me, it's the uh, academics here would call it magical realism, which I freaking hate <laughs> uh, because <laughs> I grew up with those stories and they were real. Like when you have your grandparents telling you these things and your parents whom you, they're your superheroes growing up, uh, telling you these things mm. uh, only to be told by Western academics that, oh no, that was fictitious. It's labeled under this, right? It's just like, oh, you're discrediting my existence and <laughs> 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 my ancestors. Like what? Uh, so, but, uh, but there's something there. There's something that I feel, and, and I feel very brave to say this to you right now uh, during this time, because as I say this, I know someone listening to this will feel what I'm talking about. 
uh, or has felt something different. That kikakula, that 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 blood lightning or blood memory or epigenetics, that rush that fills you, that that makes you feel and come alive, right? That right there. Uh, I as an artist, I'm privileged enough or fortunate enough to to live in that wonderment, to live in that excitement, uh, and to acknowledge it and to learn how to access it, to play with magic. That for me is playing with magic. We do that all the time, right? Action with intention. Mm. That's magic. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as artists, as theater creators specifically, we look at a space and we go, hey, how are we going to fill that? Mm -hmm. How are we going to, how are we going to make magic happen? And if we intentionally start aligning our consciousness with, uh, with stories, with myths that are uh, rooted down into something that in our past, our ancestry, right? That we listen to intuitively, instinctively through kikakula, through that blood lightning, through that blood memory. And then we actually act, we create it with our hands in whatever form that takes, right? That is magic, that is healing, that is what the world mm. needs. That is what I feel uh, that the prophecies uh, through different uh, cultures that they've spoken about uh, are, are coming into existence. That's where I feel we're living right, literally right now. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I had mentioned before, like one of my contracts got like, uh, like uh, terminated uh, just two days ago. Uh, but with every door that closes, another one opens. And I'm really like, I know, like, at least in Canada, I know Broadway's, I think Broadway's also uh, closed until summer 2021. Um, uh, spring of 2021 currently, but who knows? Exactly, right? Yeah. So like, so I look at that though and I go, I'm actually, uh, and, in, and in my uh, other circles, not artistic ones, uh, I'd say like the niche and spiritual ones, um, 20, 2021 is going to, we're at the beginning the end of the beginning and the beginning of the end. Hmm. Uh, in my culture, so uh, I, I mentioned before, I'm uh, part, uh, I'm Latino, but uh, which is a mix. But I resonate a lot with uh, with uh, the indigenous side of my of my blood. Uh, hmm. And as I as I explore that, I, I realize actually how how much how red we are. <laughs> uh, so um, with that though, there is a, an important calendar date that actually just passed on the 11th uh, of October, and it was called Washakim Bats. Uh, and what that is essentially is it isn't our new year, uh, but it is uh, el inicio, the the start of the day. So if you if you could think of the creative creation happening with a big bang, okay, clap mm-hmm. happens, a spark happens, and that resonance continues through the universe. And that resonance was so powerful it created consciousness and other conscious beings, right? Um, that's sort of just the beginning of like how important that day is. So we're all created and tied in and tethered into a great tapestry, right? Uh, so that day that just passed, October 11th, uh, um, it, it is our, it, it is the beginning of the end. It is a, in our life, in the book of life, we're starting a new chapter, hmm. quite literally, like astrologically. So, um, I'm really excited by what 2021 will bring because it's actually the beginning of something mm. new, mm. right? Like that, that we're not 2021 is the prep. So we, yeah. if you think of the matrix, mm. all of those, all of the machines have started to like open up. 2020 mm. is like people opening up, 
those of us who have already been doing the work a little beforehand, we're helping to pull out and we're helping to, uh, to refamiliarize how to walk a bit, <laughs> right? Mm. Uh, and get into our own beings again. Uh, but the work is actually going to be taking place in 2021. It, it's the, it's, I think that is, yeah. Yeah, that makes a whole, so much sense. I mean, when, when pandemic started um, and everything stopped, there was, you know, everybody, there were so many people who were like, well, now you've got all that time to create or whatever. But it's sort of like it took time because, um, you know, there was so much anxiety in the air at the beginning of it. I, I know I couldn't create. Um, and then eventually I was like, you got to stop just, you know, if, if all you can do is play video games in your spare time, then that's all you can do, but it will come back. Don't feel like it's gone. And now as, as we go further in, as we get closer to the end of the year, um, I'm feeling that the need to create come back rather than the, 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 the desire to force it. Mm. It's almost like, um, yes, we had to deal with the anxiety and now we can start to allow the creation to happen. And there's, and I agree that it feels like there's more, there's a lot of promise for 2021. There's a lot of, of possibility just, just waiting there or that, that we are ready to make after this period of, of, of rest. I'm so happy to hear you say that because for me that uh, validates what my, my inner circles have been feeling and what just myself, what I've been hmm. feeling. That's a, yeah, I'm like, hell's yeah. That puts a big ass <laughs> smile on my face. Hell's yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, just, just as we start to think about wrapping up, um, I'm one of the things I've been asking everybody since the pandemic started, since the, the whole stoppage of everything uh, started was, was the question of what is giving you joy <laughs> these days? What's bringing you the joy that gets you from day to day that makes you want to get up in the morning? Wow. Uh, the very first thing is uh, is being alive. Mm. I uh, I recently uh, uh, came out of something where uh, it could have taken my life. It was an accident that could have went really bad. Uh, and uh, there's a saying: uh, "Today is a good day to die." Uh, it's it's a it's a niche saying. It's a uh, I believe it's the Red Nation saying, uh, and uh, it's a warrior's saying. And um, I go it, today's a today is a good day to die. Calls the spirit of the red, uh, but the heart of a warrior responds not today. Hmm. And it's that whole saying is is really for me. It's like I'm. I'm so content with the way things have been. I'm fulfilled uh, mm. that if I were to die today, you know, I'd be okay with that. Mm. But the warrior heart in me wants to live. I want to continue to do that. So what brings me joy is trying to be me at this moment and at this present. Um, and what that looks like when I wake up is differs. It's very much... Mm like mother earth we're uh uh we're 70% water you know i my emotions uh and what i'm feeling uh fluctuates and will continue to fluctuate mm -hmm. i just try to to acknowledge that respect that and and uh and live my my own truths uh to be more uh, i guess to to get 
to the heart of what you're asking, I suppose, in a more uh, non uh, like philosophical or spiritual way. Um, a few things, uh, serving my community. Uh, I just realized that uh, I, I just uh, threw an event of, uh, actually on the October 11th on, on Washington Bats. Uh, it was Dancer Rage and it was uh, a communal call out, uh, something that was divinely inspired as well. But uh, it was for, for those of us who felt the call, to dance uh, 13 hours um, straight through with with drum around a fire, uh, or you could do it from home and just throw up your prayers, uh, really for the really to acknowledge our ancestors, to give thanks, to show gratitude, but then also uh, to just send up prayers and to get rid of all of that stifled energy. You know, people need to dance. We need to. Uh, everything that's happening right now has been resonating so much, and it's it, it really is a burden on our on our shoulders and our beings and how a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of uh, uh, illnesses develop is through uh, us not uh, being able to ground or being able to release that energy. So Dancer Rage was mm. an opportunity for those who felt inspired to literally do that, to dance their rage with an intention, uh, communal intention of, of transmuting that negative energy. I don't believe in good and bad. I believe in negative and positive. Everything serves. Mm. And so just transmuting that negative energy that no longer serves us into a positive, which would be through dance or, or, or any artistic measure that you'd like. Uh, cry, play video games, uh, light a candle, think of us, you know, like uh, that's that sort of thing. It was pretty successful. It was successful. I was actually quite taken back. Um, uh, there was 25 people who ended up showing up in person. Uh, and then there were seven of us who held down for 13 hours straight into the morning uh, who mm -hmm. danced and drummed all night. And it was in mm. it was in prayer. It was beautiful. It was, it was amazing. But uh, it uh, it really filled me. I I didn't know how much I really uh, I'm a bit of a shit disturber. <laughs> so mm. I, I do like to be out on the front lines as well. Uh, you know, helping out communities and uh, my communities and things whenever I can, uh, as well as fight behind the lines uh, if you want mm. just to practice in uh, in you know politics. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'd have to say serving my community has been um, actually since COVID started. I've been holding space and, you know, uh, I, had, I had a show that, uh, that was supposed to be, uh, I was supposed to be in rehearsal for. So, uh, again, part of my, my practice was to, to, uh, train spiritually. So it was, it was through uh, putting myself in ceremony and ritual. So when COVID hit and all of that got like canceled, I was like, well, I'm already training. I'm mm. already going to be in ritual. I'm just going to switch my intention from my show to what's happening around me into my community. Uh, and when I did that, uh, I was like a hermit for three months. You know, I didn't even touch, mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't see family. I didn't touch another human being for three and a half months. Or, or like it was, it was, I could do that. I, I was prepared for it. Uh, mm. I just, didn't, I didn't even realize that that time had gone through without me touching another person until I hugged my friend and was like, Oh my God, like, Holy shit. Right. <laughs> right? But, uh, during that time I was, uh, filling my cup up, uh, like being self full not selfish, self-full. Mm. Uh, it's, a, it's a word that we like to use in the social justice circles with regards to self-care. You know, uh, our societies would have us think that uh, taking time for oneself uh, in whatever we need is being selfish when I disagree with that completely. If uh, those of us who serve community or just in general, uh, we need to be self-full. We need to fill our cups up. You know, we need to replenish ourselves with whatever that looks like uh, in order to for others to come to us and for us to serve others, if that's our calling specifically. 
right? So that's what I was doing. And I was also, I had the, the capacity to also hold space for others in my community who weren't doing so well, you know? And that made me, that filled my cup up again. And then, and then, yeah. yeah. So I would have to say that was, that's the biggest thing is, is I suppose staying true to myself, living my voice uh, and, uh, and then serving, serving my community and my family, my loved ones when I need to. That's been what's been getting me through everything right now. Bats, thank you so much. This has been an incredible conversation. Likewise, Phil. Thank you. This has been a Homebody Productions production.